The following class was held at Redeemer Community Church. For more information about Redeemer, visit us online at RedeemerNC.org. Okay, so for everybody that was here last week, this is the second part in a series of four. And as Don said last week, he was starting with a very high framework, and each week we were going to get progressively more practical. Um, So in the second part here, I'm going to decrease the altitude a little bit, but we're still kind of uh, towards the top end. Okay, so um, tonight's topic uh, is on the presentation of God's will, of course. Uh, Tonight, uh, Don has assigned me, uh, which is God's will, (laughs) that I would speak about how God's will comes to us. So, um, So I'm speaking to brothers and sisters in Christ um, about this. So this is not a rational argument about necessarily deciphering God's will because all of you in Christ are in God's will because Christ is the revelation of God's will itself. Okay, so um, Don ended his, spe- uh, his talk last week uh, on, with stories, okay, and I want to pick up where he left off in talking about stories, okay, because um, when it comes to a very large topic like God's will, we tend to want to jump in and tackle that with very rational, didactic terms. And a lot of times we we end up in places that we can't really make sense of. Um, And stories kind of help, they're a grace to us really from the Lord to help make sense of tough uh, concepts. Um, So um, quoting Alistair McIntyre here, uh, philosopher at Notre Dame, um, and he, he, he basically has a statement, which is a pretty helpful thing to ask yourself in the morning, right? I can only answer the question, what am I to do, if I can first answer the question, to what story or stories do I find myself a part of, okay? Um, so <clears throat> uh, if there's anything that we need to be comfortable with when talking about God's will, uh, it's, it's mystery, right? Um, mystery... Uh, is, is not the absence of meaning, but it's really the presence of more meaning than we can rationally make sense of, right? Um, and so uh, in thinking uh, about the mystery of God's will, um, we know the final end that God is sovereign and he has his way and the victory is his, but yet he's so gracious enough uh, that really we receive every day uh, with a sense of mystery, with a sense of romance, with a sense of hope. And so uh, God doesn't rob us of really the joy of romance while yet declaring the end from the beginning, right, which is a grace to us. So um, we need to be comfortable with the word mystery when it comes to talking about God's will. Um, and stories are a grace in this situation, okay? So um, in thinking about stories, recall back uh, the word immersion, right? So we use that word typically when we're talking about baptism, right? We're immersed into the water, and we're drawn up. We're baptized into the singular name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and and drawn up out of the waters. And so we are baptized into the story of Christ. His story becomes our story. His identity is now our identity, right? And so um, when we're thinking about this, uh, this is a helpful, helpful framework for addressing God's will um, instead of making it this, this, uh, this rational equation, right? We know Christ is the revelation of God's will, and we've been baptized into that will. Um, and so beginning with that framework, the will of God comes to us in and through Jesus Christ, okay? Um, so <clears throat> uh, 
uh, in Christ coming, uh, we, we confess Jesus Christ is fully man and fully God, okay? So as Christ shares our humanity, right, when we repent and believe and are baptized into him, he shares his divinity with us, right? So the divine becomes human in order to make humans in union with him become divine, right? Uh, and and that, that is salvation, union with Christ, okay? Um, and we know from the scriptures that Jesus Christ is the image of the unseen God um, and that the life, the incarnation, the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ is the, is the revealing of God's will to humanity, right? And in that we're saved, okay? So our starting place is Jesus Christ, and our ending place is Jesus Christ. He's the Alpha and the Omega, right? Okay, and so beginning with, with that framework, right, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the beginning of knowledge. And so we can't actually answer the questions, any questions about God's will apart from Jesus Christ, okay? So um, we think about <clears throat> alpha and omega, right? A lot of times, I mean, it, it does mean beginning and end, right? But these are also um, letters in the alphabet, the alpha and the omega. So uh, in English, that would be Christ is the A to Z and every single letter in between, right? Um, so... Christ is the Word, the spoken Word of God. Letters have meaning because they're tied to the truth behind the letters. So Christ is the Word that God speaks. Okay, so beginning tonight, how does God's will come to us? Uh, the Scriptures, okay, beginning with the Word. Of course we would say that, right? Uh, well, I, can, uh, I need to go to the Bible, right? Okay, Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1. God, who at various times and various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Okay, so God speaks the world into existence in the beginning, right? He gives, he gives man the gift of language before he ever creates Eve, right? Language is a gift given by God as we're created in his image to return back to him, okay? Um, so the Old Testament is recording for us the speaking, God speaking. It's Jesus Christ who's the one speaking, but that's not going to be revealed until the cross, right? And then when we look back on the Old Testament, we see the Christ, the God who has been speaking under type and shadow, now revealed. He's been present from the beginning, right? Okay, um, so Christ becomes flesh, right, in the incarnation, and then he dies on the cross, he's resurrected, and so knowledge of God is always mediated through Christ's humanity. So we go to the, we go to the text of the Old Testament and we see through the fleshly historical event to the Christ who is speaking, right? The veil is lifted in Jesus Christ. And as the veil is lifted on the Old Testament by Jesus Christ, the veil is lifted on all of reality in Jesus Christ. So that means the will of God revealed in Jesus, okay? So um, John 5, 39, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they that testify me. Um, the scriptures become our means as those in Christ to conform ourselves to God's will, to Jesus Christ, okay? So they're not just um, a, a, a purely uh, law book as the Pharisees were keeping the law. To keep the law is, to, is, is Jesus Christ and to obey Christ. Um, so as we read the Scriptures, we are to read them communing and fellowshipping with Christ, okay? Um, and, and we begin to answer that question, which story do we find ourselves in, right? Right? Um, 
So, um, as we read the Old Testament, Christ, in the light of Christ, Christ reveals that He's the true Israel, right? And if we're in Christ, we should also see ourselves hidden in the Old Testament in Christ. So the Scriptures become our book. They're given to us. Um, So Christ is the hermeneutic which we read the Scriptures. The ends and the means converge in Jesus Christ. So He's both the, the, the means that we read to interpret, and He's the conclusion. We read it to fellowship with Him, okay? Um, so, uh, and I'm reminded of this, as we read on Sunday, right, uh, the Psalms particularly become that gift. Adam, uh, this past Sunday, for everybody who was there, talking about uh, lift up you gates, right? David is writing that, but in the light of Christ, it re- it's revealed that the divine author is giving this text to David for our benefit as Christ ascends into heaven and the gates of heaven are lifted up. And at the same time, we also read ourselves in there, so lift up the gates of our heart, let the King of Glory come in, right? So the scriptures, uh, the meaning is not purely flat. It's not, it's not just merely David's meaning, right? But in the light of Christ, we see. Um, so we should read the scriptures boldly. Um, and I know just personally, I only say that because I can recall uh, before I ever became a Christian, being, uh, in a sense, a, a fear of the word was instilled in me because I felt, well, I, I don't know... What was the historical moment? Who's the original author? Who was the original audience? And I felt, well, I need a history degree, or I need to go to seminary to read the Scriptures, or I need uh, some sort of training this way, right? Which, obviously, I didn't have the Holy Spirit in me, but if you have the Holy Spirit, you have union with the divine author, and you should read boldly in the light of Christ. Okay, so um, the Scriptures come to us by the Holy Spirit, who is the divine author. Uh, John 14, 25 Uh, In 26, Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things I said to you. Okay, so the first thing we see in that verse is uh, the divine author, the Holy Spirit, right? And the second thing, he reveals in this verse the Trinitarian reality of God, right? Right? this is something we only have knowledge of the Trinity through Jesus Christ, who has mediated it to us, right? Um, the Father is sending the Son and the Holy Spirit, okay? So the revelation of God's will in our life is a Trinitarian act. Uh, the Father sends the Son and the Spirit, so that their, their twofold action of the Son and the Spirit uh, recorded in the Scripture right is not just a historical record of the actions god took to save us right it's also given to us to conform us to god's image to prepare us to see him face to face uh, when we die his word is bringing forth life to us um first corinthians 2 9 to 13 but but as but as it is written i has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which god has prepared for those who love him but god has revealed them to us through his spirit For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Uh, Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. And we have received the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Okay, Uh, The Spirit searches our hearts and minds and is given to us to reveal Christ and His will. Right? And the Scriptures also say the Holy Spirit brings things to remembrance. Okay? So um, on a practical note, um, we need to think about the importance of memory. Right? 
God's faithfulness in the Scriptures is tied to His memory, right? Moses is standing before the burning bush, and, and <clears throat> Yahweh speaks from the burning bush and says, Moses, I have heard the cries of my people, and I have remembered my covenant with them. And then he sends Moses to save them. He's remembering, right? Okay, there's no repentance without memory, right? We need to remember and believe, right? And as we, um, in, in thinking about memory too, the importance of committing Scripture to memory, right? The, the Lord has gone ahead of us, right? Jesus Christ, in, in baptizing us into Him, in giving us the book, uh, we have prayers throughout the book. All of the Psalms are given for our edification. We should be praying them and committing them to memory and allowing the Holy Spirit to bring order to our disordered lives, right? Ordered thoughts make for ordered lives, and the Scripture itself uh, is, is pure order. Uh, it's, we, we are conformed to God's will there. So um, memory is very important, specifically in this, in this putting on of Jesus to walk in His will. Um, okay, uh, we also see Acts 2.17. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream, dream, dream dreams. Okay. Um, the Holy Spirit can speak directly through visions and dreams. This has happened for the entirety of, of Christian Scripture, right from, right from the book of Acts, right? Now, it's important that we, when we look at the book of Acts, we see what's, what's being happened. The gifts are given to unify the church. They're not in contradiction to the church. They don't divide us from the church, right? But, but it happens, right? And again, this is one of these places where we need to be comfortable with mystery, right? Um, so, and on that note, in speaking about Acts and the church, right, the, the next means by which the will of God is revealed to us is in the church, right? The gifts are given for the edification and unity of the church, okay? Um, the scriptures are spoken by God through the divine author, the Holy Spirit. That's the Trinitarian reality, right? The Father, uh, through the, sent by the Father, the Spirit, the divine author, to the, word of, to, to the Word made flesh, which is Jesus, right? But they're given to us through the church, right? So the Bible that you hold in your hand does not just fall out of thin air in codex form, right? It's given to the church, right? It's not given to the academy. It's not given to archaeologists to decipher what, what was the right thing, what, what was, right? The church from the beginning gives us the Word, right? And so... Um, this is, this is a great grace to us, right? It's particularly when we read our Scripture and we think, well, I don't, I don't have a historical background. That's okay. The, the Holy Spirit has given you this book, and He's given it you through the authority of the church, right? Okay, so, um, <clears throat> and, and on that note about inspiration, right? Um, w- when you think about, when you open your Bible, why is it we can say there's a divine author, but we can also look through and we can say, Matthew wrote this book, Paul wrote that book, John wrote this book, right? We can simultaneously affirm a human author and a divine author, okay? Now, you think about, think about the Koran, okay? The Koran is given by dictation, mere dictation, and the human author is, is essentially overridden, right? He almost becomes robotically recording, right? But the Holy Spirit in His grace comes alongside, right, to where... A human in union with the Holy Spirit becomes who he is truly meant to be. He doesn't become a mechanical robot, 
right? We're still able to retain human elements while the grace of God moves through that, okay? Uh, and that's, that's a grace to us, particularly when we're thinking about the church, right? So we confess the church is the body of Christ on earth, right? And we might be tempted to say, well, there shouldn't be any sin then. It should be just absolutely right, right? Uh, total magisterial authority, right? They speak, uh, and that's it. There's no error, right? But the Holy Spirit indwells each of you, right? And this is where Luther was going with simultaneously just and a sinner at the same time, right? And so when we think about sin in the church, um, really it's what a grace to us that Jesus Christ simultaneously works through sinful vessels while giving them, while saying they will rule and reign with him, right? And so the, the Bible is the church's book. Um, and, and the grace of God uh, doesn't override humanity and rob humanity of its dignity. The, the grace of the Spirit descends so low to raise man up. Um, <clears throat> what, a, what a glorious thing, right? Jesus is a God of love, not raw power, right? So uh, Colossians 1.17, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist, and he is the head of the body of the church, who is in the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Okay, so we think about the head of the body, right? The head is where the mouth is, right? And, it's, and that's where the words come out. And, and the church, as the church speaks, Jesus Christ speaks, okay? Um, and when we receive Christ, we receive the scriptures as our book, and we receive baptism and salvation. We're born through the womb of the church, right? So we have God as our Father, right? I'm quoting uh, St. Augustine, right? He who, uh, if you have God as your Father, you have the church as your mother, right? The bride of Christ who is, who is being redeemed and prepared uh, for the, the kingdom that is and is to come. Um, okay, so and <clears throat> God gives each of us talents, some one talent, some five talents, but they're given to serve Him in the church and to build up the bride of Christ. And the world's rejection of the church is a rejection of Jesus Christ, okay? Um, Sunday, God meets us, right? God meets us here, right? And we are in union. The, the, the reality of the church, because the reality is Jesus Christ, it transcends space and time. And so we, we are joined with heavenly hosts of angels as we sing, uh, which is just a, a glorious reality, right? But, but you look at that with fleshly eyes and you think, well, it's just, it's just a rotary club or it's just a, a group of people that uh, just do nice things for their neighbor, right? But there is a heavenly reality there that we confess and we see by faith. Second um, Thessalonians 2.15, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or epistle. Uh, so church tradition matters, right? Um, is G.K. Chesterton who says, tradition is the democracy of the dead, okay? So we must look at church history from the beginning, right? Because the church is the reality hidden in Christ before the world. But we must look at the reality of the church, and we must look at church history charitably, right? And this means for us, particularly what we like to do, maybe not Redeemer as much, but you understand where I'm going with this. We love to look at the book of Acts, and then we'll jump right to the Reformation, right? And we skip 1,500 years there, okay? The Word of God, the, Jesus Christ was faithful to His church all the way through, right? He's, 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 peeling, he, he's sanctifying His church the whole way through, right? But we're not Latter-day Saints. The gospel does not disappear, and we have brothers all the way from the beginning, brothers and sisters, right? Um, and so, I uh, quote C.S. Lewis, uh, every age has its own outlook, and it's especially good at seeing certain truths and liable to make certain mistakes, okay? We're given certain strengths in 2021, right? But our brothers and sisters in, in 
Uh, AD 800 had certain strengths that we don't have. But when we read charitably and we read their interpretations, we are prepared and we, it keeps us from making same, the same mistakes or different mistakes, right? Uh, and that's a grace to us. So uh, the scriptures reveal Jesus Christ, who's the will of God. The Holy Spirit brings glory to Jesus Christ. The church manifests Jesus Christ's body on earth, and Jesus is the culmination of each, okay? So um, finally, the culmination of all of these things are moving to wisdom, okay? Um, to acquire wisdom is not just merely to acquire raw data, okay? Uh, that's probably uh, something in modernity that we have uh, inherited to where we think, oh, yeah, I can, if I just have all the facts, then I can just put them all together, okay? Um, wisdom instead is, is, is insight into the reality of things. It doesn't override the data, right? But to know the reality of things and know what to do with things, this is the application of wisdom, and this is chiefly, we, we attain wisdom when we repent and believe in Jesus Christ, okay? Um, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, right? And Colossians 2, 3, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, okay? So um, God does not create wisdom and then go down and participate in it. He's never not wise, right? He is the very ground of wisdom, Okay, uh, And he creates the world in such a way that, that wisdom is manifest in creation. And this is why we can open the scriptures and we can go to the ant, because it's created and it, it, it is speaking, right? Okay, But it, it means nothing apart from Jesus Christ, who's the firstborn of creation. Okay, So creation uh, is given a veil, and behind the veil is Jesus Christ, and he shows us this as he, as he comes. Okay, so... Um, Wisdom in the scriptures is contrasted with the fool, okay? So the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Wisdom keeps us from saying this, or even, even the worst temptation for us now is to say that, but then with our actions live differently, right? And we live as if there's no God, okay? Proverbs 8 mentions in this personification of wisdom, Whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord, but he who sins against me wrongs his own soul. And all those who hate me love death. Okay? To contemplate reality or nature or the will of God apart from Jesus Christ is to reap death. Okay? 1 Corinthians 1.23, But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness, but to those who are called... Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God, uh, the weakness of God is stronger than men. Okay, and, and this really brings us to the apex again. Uh, we preach Christ crucified. We meet Jesus Christ at the cross, and that's the revelation of God's will. Okay, so you think about even the soldiers in the scriptures, right? Truly, this was the Son of God at the cross. The cross lifts the veil on reality. Okay, and, and when we meet him at the cross and we meet him daily, this is the, the question, what story do I find myself in? We see his own descent and suffering and resurrection, and then we're told to simultaneously take up our own cross and follow him. Okay, we put to death our own desires and we put on Christ. Um, and we can only have our paths ordered to God's will if we're walking in Jesus Christ, which is ultimately to walk in wisdom. Um, and to immerse ourselves in Jesus Christ and walk. Um, too often, um, 
we forget the daily repentance and belief, right? And, and this is particularly something that probably we've been more guilty of in the, in the southern states than anything else where we make salvation just a moment in time, and I prayed the prayer then, right? And we forget that salvation, we're, we are saved and being saved. And so that repentance, that daily repentance, right? Today is the day of salvation, right? The question of God's will receives clarity when we're daily repenting and believing because what happens is uh, when we don't view it that way, eventually we begin living in a counter story, right? And we can't, we forget, well, that was back then, I did that, so that was okay, and now what, today I've got to do X, Y, and Z, right? Okay, so the two, the two options, wisdom and foolishness, right? The fool has said in his heart, there's no God. Uh, there's no God present today. There's no God over my wallet. There's no God over my eyes, right? There's no God over time, not today. There's no God over government, no God over education, over science, over my body, over my gender, over my identity, right? When we think that way, and then the world gives us wealth and autonomy and riches, and we start thinking this way, then the question of God's will becomes very abstract. Well, what does God want me to do? Does God want me to do, you know, I mean... Right? And so we receive clarity when we're daily dying to self and taking up our cross daily. Okay, um, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Right? And He's the way, the truth, and the, and the life. Um, okay, and we can only walk in the, in the way if we are ordering our will to God's will, which is laying it down. Okay, and this is done through common means, which in the next weeks we'll talk about those. Again, we'll continue landing the plane. Any questions? <clears throat> well, the first thing I would suggest is obviously to go to your pastors and elders, right, which would be us. Um, part of receiving the church as your mother is... Um, is submission to authority, right? And that's not, our authority is not absolute, but is given by God, right? And the same thing with the deacons, um, and the same thing with every believer, really, right? Um, but, of course, the authority of the church, uh, the, the scriptures are given uh, to, to balance that authority and to check that authority. Uh, and the one, one thing that I would say, particularly, um, when it comes to the internet, probably should cut it off more than we should actually be on it. But a, a good way to really simplify what's going on is to think about the way technology has deformed us, right? So um, I think it's Carl Truman who has a book about the automobile destroyed church discipline, right? So the moment you give somebody an automobile and you say you're under church discipline, well, I'll just drive to another church, right? Um, th that's a deformity that's caused by the automobile, Right? And the use of the automobile, essentially keeping that person from repentance. Right? That's, a very, that's a very dangerous thing. Um, uh, uh, more recently, um, you, you should read widely, right? um, but John Piper, any number of pastors are not the pastors that you've been given. A really good way to simplify a lot of things in your life is to ask, who's the body of Christ beside me right now? Who, who, where's the body of Christ? So for me, I live off Wagstaff. Where's it going to be? It's, it's Redeemer, okay? 
Um, I may not agree with everything that Redeemer does, but I need to charitably, by faith in Christ, involve myself in Redeemer, submit myself to local church authority, and know in submitting myself to local church authority, I'm submitting myself to God. And ultimately, it's His church, and He's going to work that out. And so, um, specifically, more deformity can happen if you're being discipled outside of the church and then bringing those things in, or you're watching what other churches are doing, and you're expecting your own church to do accordingly. Now, that's not to say uh, that's not to say your church can't benefit from what another church is doing, but particularly, um, COVID was a great lesson in this, right? Um, a church in in uh, Portland, Oregon, may have to take different steps to address the cultural situation that it's in, right? It may have a serious issue with uh, COVID-19, and we may need to shut down, right? We may not have that, right? Your church in in, uh, uh, Bladen County may not have that. It may not be a reality for that church, right? So we can charitably look at what that church is doing, and we can receive that and, and pray for them while also not projecting that onto the body. So when it comes to those doctrinal things, um, I would certainly bring them up. I wouldn't be afraid to bring them up, uh, whether, whether that's uh, a verse um, or anything else. But I also know that uh, um, I, I wouldn't um, have my own reformation, if you will. <laughs> so... Yeah, sure, sure. Um, yes, the, I, I do affirm that there is an orthodoxy, and you should not go outside that. So what that means is uh, you should not go to a church that does not affirm the Nicene Creed or the Chalcedonian, but for the gray areas, right? Um, so <clears throat> you should definitely pray, and you should definitely think about, I'm here to love God and love my neighbor. Can I effectively love God my, and love my neighbor while being in disagreement with this doctrine Right? and kind of hold these things loosely, know that God is sovereign? I think yes, um, because I think that the tendency is to see this one thing right, and then, and then not love God and love your neighbor and be maybe 100% right on identifying a problem, but 100% wrong in your, you know, you, you can be totally right and totally wrong at the same time. Um, and, and I think you, you see this a lot. Um, uh, I, I'll just throw this out there for the sake of an example. Okay. Um, Guy goes to a church, right, that's uh, uh, a fundamentalist church that never, uh, it's just, uh, you all have in your picture a, uh, or in your mind a picture of what this church would be, right? And then he reads, he goes and he reads Athanasius, and he's like, wow, that's, that is, that's amazing. You know, this, this exegesis was crazy. Why isn't my pastor doing that, right? And then he goes and he hears that same, uh, he he hears this church or hears that kind of a style of preaching or liturgy or something uh, in a Roman Catholic church. And so he, I'm converting to Roman Catholicism over that one thing. So he identified an, a, an insufficiency, and then he essentially doesn't change churches loving his neighbor, saying, I really have this disagreement, I love you guys, I'm going to go here. He, he moves churches in rebellion against the other one. And so his heart in the move is not loving his brother. It's actually like, I'm going to show you guys, you, you uh, idiots. You know, I mean, so he, he converts out of uh, a rebuke um, instead of charitably receiving and loving his brothers. Um, and so I think probably more often than not, we need to be thinking about that. Um,
in the United States, particularly in the Bible Belt, there's a church on every corner, um, right? Which is uh, a grace, but it also can be a negative thing in that area where it can give us, well, I'll just go to this church, I'll just go to this church, I'll just go to this church, right? If you were in communist China, right, are you going to divide the body of Christ just because of this issue? This is not, a, not an issue of orthodoxy. Are you going to stay with your brothers and sisters, and are you going to love them? Are you going to sense bear that burden with them um, and try to shepherd them along? I don't know. I mean, there's not a, there's not a, there's not a rubric to answer that question, but um, is it, would you say anything different on those issues, you know, just thinking out loud? Yeah, and that, that's a great point, right? The whole New Testament, all the epistles are basically Paul saying, you didn't get it right, and you didn't get it right, and you didn't get it right. So if you ever thought it was all flat, it just not, not even from the very beginning, you know? And then the Holy Spirit will reveal it, right? And so one of the things I think we need to think about is make sure we're not blaspheming the work of the Holy Spirit. When we look at this church and, and totally put these brothers and sisters down, I'll, you know, do we blaspheme the work of the Spirit when we do that because we have a disagreement or an understanding on this verse? We need to think about that, right? Because the Spirit is doing a lot of things, right? And Christian history, like, there's a lot of weird stuff, right? It's not all flat. So, anyway. Anything else? Yeah. Yeah, and that I was gonna say along those lines too. Even even tonight, like how does the holy how does the Holy Spirit reveal His will to us? Right, the tendency is to look at the list. Well, we got the Bible, we got the church, we got the Holy Spirit, we got wisdom, and you know we can kind of pick. Right, they they all move to the same place. Right, so we love to pick verses and pit them against one another and fragment and do things. You know, and and everything is is moving against itself. We're really. Um, scripture, interpreting Scripture is moving it to the same place, is moving it to Christ as one, right? So that's a good, good point. I appreciate that you didn't bring up culture either. We don't listen to culture, we run away, but we, that's where we get Sure, sure, yeah. And, and in the going there, right, uh, the, I guess when you think about culture, God's... W- when you think about two... two um, we have two options, right? Wisdom and foolishness, right? There's really two. There's really two cities: the city of God and the city of man. So, the sense, in a sense, we, we, the word of God creates culture, right? And it benefits the culture, right? I mean, we're certainly seeing that where we are um, in the West, where we have values that are ultimately the church's values. But the church essentially wants the fruit of the church, wants to cut down the tree that gives it to them, and so. Um, we have everything that we need because we, we, have, we have Jesus Christ, right? And it all begins and ends from him. And so, um, yeah, go, going to the scriptures and the church and the authority of God in it, um, yeah, we have everything we need. One last yep. Right, right. Well, as you were saying that, I couldn't help but remember, uh, give thanks in all things for this is the will of God. Christ in you, right? And we think of giving thanks, thanksgiving. Um, yeah. 
we receive the scriptures, we receive the church, but we receive creation, right? So because God, God uh, mediates, the will of God is mediated through Jesus Christ who was made flesh. And so uh, it's not a denial of creation. We receive all of matter in Jesus Christ. Um, and specifically, that, the Greek word for thanksgiving is uh, Eucharistia, right? So when we think of the Eucharist on Sunday morning and receiving the bread and the cup and giving thanks, right? To give thanks. Thanksgiving finds its root in Jesus Christ, right? Because if, if it's, if it's, we really have two choices, Christ or nihilism. It's nothing, right? That's it. Um, and when we receive Christ, we receive all of this as a gift to be, to be given back to him, to be offered back to him in worship. So... Yeah, 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 amen. And when thinking about the church's mother too, I just, I always think about my wife mothering my own children, right? And even Jesus Christ, when he's looking at, uh, was it in Jerusalem where he says he would have tucked you under like a mother hen. Um, But you think about the church as, uh, the church as a nursing mother. Um, and, And when you mess up in your own mother, disciplines you. Um, yeah, what a, I, what a grace that the Lord gives us that, um, that reality to live out in our own homes, but that comes to fullness in Christ and his bride. And so our own homes being a small picture of the cosmos in that sense uh, is, is a grace to us and, and clarity on the will of God within our own home. All right. Um, okay. So uh, finally, um, What's our response to all of this is always worship. Um, we worship by praying. Um, <clears throat> think about um, fifth century, uh, Lex Sarandi, Lex Credendi. The law of prayer is the law of belief. As we pray, we believe, and as we believe, we pray. And, it, and, and this is how we return back and, and give thanks. So right now, uh, last week we ended in prayer. We'll do it again this week. Um, if you could just get with maybe five people around you. Specifically, one thing to pray for, uh, Rick Habiger uh, is right now missing. We're, they're trying to find him. So we want to pray um, specifically for God's mercy on Rick and that um, we would be able to locate him soon and that he would be out of harm's way. Um, so let's get together and pray for that and anything else the Spirit leads us to. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this class from Redeemer Community Church in Fuquay, Verena, North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this class to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more classes, we invite you to visit us online at RedeemerNC.org.